Welcome to episode 39 of Frank Reactions, the show where we help you profit from the digital era through better customer experiences online and off. My name's Tema Frank. When I was in my first full-time permanent job, if anything's permanent, I was working for an association and I, being an enthusiastic young thing, had been putting in really long hours, enjoying it, but I had decided I wanted to do an MBA at night and I realized that I wasn't going to have time to keep putting in those excessive hours and get the master's studies done. So I went and spoke to my boss and I explained the situation to him and he said, oh yeah, quite right. No, you shouldn't be working all your evenings and weekends for us. That's absolutely not a problem. You do your MBA. For the next three days, every time he tried to give me a new project, I would say, okay, here are the five things that I'm working on. Which of these can I take away so that I will have time to take on this new project? And for three days, he really grumbled and complained, and I felt kind of sick to my stomach thinking, oh, oh, I've really blown this now. But he adjusted. I mean, the reality is I was probably still one of his more productive employees. And in fact, that process of forcing him to set some priorities was actually something that would help us get to the point where the organization was doing more great work. You'll hear about the terms great work, good work, and bad work in today's interview with Michael Bungay-Stenier of Box of Crayons and the author of the book, Do More Great Work. I have both a personal and a professional interest in what he talks about. At the personal level, I'm of course always struggling to be more productive, and no matter how much I do, I always feel I'm not getting enough of what he calls great work accomplished. My professional interest, of course, is because for my book, People Shock, which I'm well into the writing on now, you can't get your internal processes working well enough to deliver on your external marketing promise if your people are too bogged down in what he calls bad work or even what he calls good work, stuff that needs to get done but really isn't moving you forward. So in today's interview, we talk about the challenges of doing great work and some ideas for overcoming those challenges, how the challenges and success strategies are different in big bureaucratic organizations versus small disorganized organizations. They both have some pretty big challenges. And third, are there ways that employees can inspire their co-workers to do great work? Enjoy the interview and I will chat with you briefly at the end. I'm Michael Bungay-Stanier. I'm the senior partner at Box of Crayons. At Box of Crayons, we say we help people and organizations do less good work and more great work to actually have more impact, work less hard, and uh, create more meaning in the work that they do. Okay, so this notion of having more impact and working less hard sounds fantastic, but obviously that's... (laughs) That's difficult. So why don't we start with you telling me a little bit about your definitions of the three types of work? Yeah, sure. So um, we say, and this is a this is a useful, simple, and, and quite powerful model that there are three types of work that you can do. The first type is bad work, and bad work is not about the quality of the work that you do, but it's about the meaning and the impact of the work that you do. So bad work is work that is the effectively the mind crushing, heart crushing, life crushing, waste of time work. The work that is you're sitting there and reflecting on it, you're thinking to yourself, what am I doing? How did I end up doing this? This is my precious life and somehow I'm doing this of all things. 
Right. So, yeah, when I explain that to people, there's always that laugh of, of recognition because we all bump into too many emails, too much process, bureaucracy, and just that whole piece of where does all this stuff come from? And, and what's frustrating about bad work is it just kind of keeps growing like weeds through cracks in the sidewalk. I mean, it just keeps showing up. It's part of the consequences of us living in complex organizations. And quite frankly, your organization is complex as soon as it gets to more, be more than one person. <laughs> I, even at one person, it can sometimes be that way. <laughs> that, is, that is very true. Uh, the second type of work is good work. So good work is productive and efficient and getting things done. And in an organization, good work is essential because really organizations are set up to deliver good work because good work means it's predictable and efficient and you can do it without screwing it up. And what that means at an individual level is good work is your job description. Now, there's many good things to say about a job description. It gives you clarity. It makes your boss happy. It makes your boss's boss happy. So that's all great. But good work is also uh, a couple of things that come as kind of caveats with, with good work. The first is that uh, it keeps you a little bit stuck in a comfortable rut. You know, uh, Tamara, I'm sure you and me and many of the people listening are pretty busy. And even though we're busy and we're slightly stressed and we're trying to get things done, if all we're doing is getting good work done, then we'll feel a little stuck as uh, this isn't you at 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10, this is you kind of at 6 or 7 out of 10 in terms of the impact you can have. And the other challenge with good work, and this, you know, I know connects with some of the earlier podcasts that you've done, Tamara, is it, it, keeps you, um, it keeps you stuck because there's so much of it. It just keeps coming at you. And we do have this idea that if I can just get on top of my good work, then I'll get to the other stuff that really matters. And, oh, yeah. and my belief would be that you can't actually get on top of your good work. There's always about 10% more than you can cope with, and it expands to fill the space you give it, plus a little bit more. Yeah. And then the third type of work is great work. And great work is, you know, as you know, what we champion. And really, we're talking here about the work that makes a difference and the work that has an impact and the work that you care about and kind of the work you signed up to do in the first place. Um, and, you know, one of the ways to test that is, you know, uh, as we lurch towards the, the holiday season, uh, it, when somebody comes up to you at a party and says, hey, we haven't met, and you have the exchange of small talk, and then eventually, pretty quickly, typically, they go, so tell me, what do you do? Mm-hmm. If you feel your heart sink a little bit, and then you kind of engage the internal PR agent to give people the spin about why your job is, uh, what you do, and... Part of you is thinking, I don't even know if I'm trying to convince them I have an interesting job or trying to convince me I have an interesting job. That's, mm-hmm. that's indicative of good work. But if you're like, well, let me tell you what I'm working on right now, and you kind of start chasing them around the room, that's probably great work because great work is what really lights you up and gets you going. I mean, it kind of speaks to the, the truth of who you want to be and what you want to do within yeah. the context of the organization in which you're working. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I would imagine that with the onslaught of email and social media and information, we're probably drowning under more of this good work than ever before. So tell me a little bit about the challenges to getting great work done and some of your ideas for how to overcome those challenges. Well, the, the, what you're saying about um, uh 
you know, email and an excess of meetings and an excess of that. That's true whether you work in a big company or a small company or a for-profit organization or maybe a government or non-profit organization. Uh, it's true. It's true universally. We all struggle with this. So mm-hmm. what's the good news and the bad news about that is you can, you can run, but you can't hide. That's the bad news. The good news is that there are actually some universal ways of thinking and universal approaches that can make a bit more of a difference. Now, the thing to start off to say is that we're not trying to eliminate good work. Um, we do want to try and eliminate bad work, but it, the question isn't how do I do 100% great work? The question, because <laughs> that would just basically have your head explode. Um, the question really is what's the best mix between good work and great work for me right now? Okay. And in fact, what this is really, uh, Temer, is a strategic question because actually – you could frame the whole strategic question as being this, which is strategy is us deciding where we're going to really focus on our good work, the predictable, successful, profitable, if you're in that world, uh, type of work. And where do we need to do great work, which is the new strategically different, innovative, blue ocean strategy type of work. Right. So that works at an organizational level. It works at a personal level as well, which is around making some choices. And in fact, this is really the first tool to start with. And the first tool, not just as a good place to start, but the first tool is this is the fundamental thing that lies at the heart of this. And it's really a question. And the question is this. What am I saying yes to? And if I'm truly saying yes to this, if it's a strong yes, what am I going to say no to? Right. Because here's the deal. We... Uh, kind of had this fantasy around I can just keep saying yes and the truth is we're all full you know we're now pouring water into a full glass stuff's just overflowing it's nothing sticking you don't have any more capacity or you know for most of the people here they're like I'm plenty busy there's nobody who's spending Friday afternoons playing Tetris just waiting for the hours to go away they're like I'm just trying to get on top of things yeah so it comes down to it at a fundamental level, which is what are you going to be courageous enough to make some choices around? Mm-hmm. And, and and really, with that question, what am I saying yes to? And if I'm saying yes to that, what am I truly saying no to? What that does is it connects us to the three core principles we need to do to do great work. And the three core principles, the three key disciplines, if you like, are these. The first is focus. And focus has two parts to it. Focus on who am I and what do I care about? Because if you don't know what you care about, it's hard for you to find your great work. Right. And the second part is, where are there opportunities for me to do great work within the organization in which I'm working? Because um, because there are opportunities um, for almost all of us. Uh, but often we're so busy just trying to get on top of the good work that we miss the opportunities to do great work. Right. So focus is one part. The second part is courage. And by this I mean courage, willingness to actually start doing great work. Because here's the thing, Tema, great work is actually countercultural. If your organization is set up to do good work, doing great work is going to kind of you know, create some ripples. Um, yeah. And in fact, you know, one of the ironies is if everybody is happy in the work you're doing, you're probably doing a lot of good work. If some people are disappointed, <laughs> confused, upset, angry, then it just might be that you're on some sort of path to do some great work because it means that you've made some choices. Right. So focus, number one, courage, number two, and resilience is the third part here because the resilience is based in an awareness of this. 
um, you know that when you start doing great work, you're stepping out to the edge of your own level of comfort, your own level of expertise, your own level of, uh, do I know what I'm doing here? You're on, you're on the edge of all of that. And what that means is there are times where you want to give up. <laughs> there are times where you want to lie down and go, it's too hard, it's too messy, it's too ambiguous. Um, there are times where you fail and it doesn't work. And resilience is that willingness to go, even though this is difficult, even though this is a struggle, even though this challenges me, even though this may not be working the way I want it to, I'm connected enough to understand why I want to do this, that I'm willing to keep going. I'm willing to pick myself up and have another go at it. Okay. Now, it would seem to me then that a lot of being able to manage that third step has to do with the corporate culture that would allow you even to continue after failure. What are your experiences working with companies when it comes to that? You know, um, my background is in the world of organizational development. So really thinking about how do corporate cultures evolve? How do they influence behavior? How do they influence the way we do things around here? Which, you know, how we do things around here is actually a good definition of what culture is. Mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right that the corporate culture can have a significant impact on not just how do we be resilient, but, you know, um, is great work allowed to flourish here? You know, um, I've just literally got off a, a, a podcast of my own where I was on the other side of the microphone and <laughs> talking to the um, the chief marketing officer of GE, Beth Comstock. And, you know, this, this is a big organization with a 130-year-old culture. And um, we were talking about how do you make innovation thrive in a culture like that? And she's like, it's difficult, um, but you need to be building elements of capacity to fail, capacity to be resilient as part of that. What, what I'd say is I think the most interesting influence on whether you can have an impact in the work that you do actually lies at the team level. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's ever done any change management, capital C, capital M, knows that it's really hard and that it fails most of the time because it's difficult to change a culture. Um, there's a you know there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of weight the status quo carries in terms of this is the way we do things around here. Sure. Also, anybody who's tried to be the the lone agent of change in an organisation knows that that is often a fruitless and thankless task as you throw yourself at a wall or on a mine or whatever it is. Yeah. But to me, the team is actually often. Uh, a unit of change that is small enough to be agile and flexible, but large enough to have some built-in support and resilience around that. Hmm. And one of the things that I notice in the work that we do is that uh, working with a team and getting a team clear on its great work and getting the individuals within that team clear on their specific great work. We do a lot of work around having people think about great work projects. So what's the key project you're working on? And having the team understand what everybody else's great work project is, that builds a a focus and a courage and a resilience that often means that the team can be a kind of useful countercultural element within a bigger Mm -hmm. organization. Is that kind of like what, you know, a decade ago they were talking about the whole intrapreneurship thing within companies? Yeah, I think it's um, partially that for sure. You know, um, that kind of connection between the entrepreneurial mindset 
and the and how do you let that flourish within a bigger organization it's certainly connected in part because a, a, you know part of what an entrepreneur goes and this is a, a phrase from a great thinker called Peter Block. You know, Peter Block says about his work, I'm giving people responsibility for their own freedom. And when you're an entrepreneur, and Tim, you probably know this as well as I do, one of the things that's clear is it's kind of down to me. <laughs> yes. There's not a whole lot of people waiting, you know, I can just wait around going, I'm just waiting for direction here. But it's like if I wait for direction, I wait a long time because I'm the person who needs to give the direction. <laughs> right. And so part of the, uh, the entrepreneur connection perhaps here is the sense of why don't I take responsibility for doing great work within my organization? Because if you're going to wait for them to give it to you, it could be in for a long wait because they are equally overwhelmed, confused, and waiting for somebody else to give them direction, whoever your them might be, as you are. Right. So you either choose to actively say, my work, my life, let me take as much control over that and responsibility on that as I can, or you sit back and go, look, I'm a victim of my circumstances of working here. I'll just be swept along as flotsam and jetsam on the river of my, cor my corporate life. Let's hope things change because I'd like them to. And that's, that's, uh, that's a less meaningful life. So how would an employee in a large organization in particular go about trying to, to do that? I mean, especially if you're not in senior management. Yeah. How do you say, you know, I've got something great here and go about persuading others to let you even work on this? Well, I think you're, you're, I think some of the, what you've got there is the answer and the very question that you're asking. So I think part of it is going as a starting point, look, am I up for this or am I not up for this? Do I want to take responsibility for the work I do? Do I want to actually push things a bit or do I want to keep my head down, play it safe, get told what to do? And, and let it play out like that. You can guess where I stand on this equation, which is to say, <laughs> you know what, the science tells us that you're going to be happier, more engaged if you actually do a little bit more of that, let me see if I can shape my own destiny here. But, you know, there's um, statistics, and I find them a little depressing, which, you know, around what percentage of people are engaged within organizations, and I think it's... Uh, you know, it's like a, it's a very large number of people who are not engaged, like 50%. And that number hasn't really shifted over the last X number of years, even with Marcus Buckingham and others doing their best to build on strengths and do work that matters. But okay. that's, the starting point is this, Tamara, which is, you know, am I up for this or not? Is it worth it? And I think the, the second point is to go, and this is the focus piece, which is, so if I'm up for it, what do I want? <laughs> what do I want to be working on? You know, what do I care about and where are there opportunities for that within the work that I do within the sphere of control and influence that I have as my part of the organization? Because there's typically more there than you might think. Um, having some time to step back and think and reflect on it may shine the light on some opportunities for you. But how do you even have that time when you're being kept busy with busy work all the time? That's a good question. So... Um, well, there are a couple of big, I mean, it's a, that's, you know, <laughs> I, I'm stumped a little bit just because it's such a big question, but um, part of it is going, look, 
Parameter sports go, so you find the time. Because you go, this matters enough that I'm going to find myself some thinking time. You don't have to do a lot. But even if it's on a weekend, on a Saturday, you're going to say, I'm going to give myself half an hour to reflect on what do I want to be doing at my work. You know, so many of us start our, our working day by flipping open the laptop or flipping open the, the mobile device and going, okay, I'm going to start by checking the email. And then before you know it, you're 10.30 and you've been doing email for two hours except for the meetings you've been going to. You know, one of the great habits that you can start building right away is to give yourself 10 minutes thinking time before you start depleting the valuable prefrontal cortex thinking juice that's in your brain and using it on answering emails, which is a squandering of your actual thinking power and thinking capacity. So, yeah. you know, that's, uh, there's, there's lots of good science behind this that says if you can give yourself and protect 10 minutes thinking time at the start of each day, that's actually going to help increase your impact in the work that you do quite a lot. Hmm. Any, any other tips like that? Well, I think... Um, a couple of other things that come to mind, Tema. One is to start going, if this is the thing that I want to work on, that might be my great work, how much does my boss care about this? How much does my boss's boss care about this? Because if they care about it, then you're set up for an interesting conversation. Because right? right. they're like, I can talk to you about this in a way that will say, let me do this, and that's going to further my agenda, and it's going to further your agenda, because it's connected to your business objectives or whatever it might be. If your boss doesn't care about it, then the next question is to say, how do I make her care about it? Right? How do I find a way of reframing it or, or pitching it in a certain way that I can actually make the connection between what she cares about and what I want to happen? Now, to do that, you actually have to know what your boss cares about. And I would say this, a lot of people have no idea what their boss cares about. Interesting. They, they go, I, I'm pretty sure I think I know because I heard her say something three years ago. Or you make some sort of correlation between, well, there's our strategy, so this is probably what she cares about. But I think one of the disciplines is to actually go, you know, um, through direct conversation or other means, go, what, what, what do you really care about? What, what really matters to you? And if I understand that, then I've got a way of framing what I might be able to do. Now, in sales, we know that often what people care about has more to do with their own personal issues than it does with the corporate objectives. So yep. how, do you, how do you extrapolate that in a conversation with your boss? Because they're not going to tell you what I really care about is you know, getting a promotion or <laughs> something right. like that. Well, I think, um, well, I've got some opinions on that, Tema, but let me turn, let me turn the tables here and ask you, like, well, how would you answer that? How would you answer somebody got, knowing that there's kind of spoken objectives and maybe unspoken sort of more secretive objectives? How would you manage that? How would you frame things? Um, very good. I guess I would think in terms of basic human motivations and yeah. what are likely to be the personal motivations. So I think you're spot on, which is if I was going into this conversation, I'd be going, okay, what, are, what, what does she say that she cares about? What does the evidence point to that she really cares about that I can talk yeah. to her about? What do I think she really cares about that I probably shouldn't mention because that's going to make it an awkward conversation? 
Right? right. So I think back to a boss I had. I go, okay, what does this man care about? And I'm like, okay, so the thing I think he cares about is maintaining control and feeling in power and not being made to look like an idiot. Now, I can't then go in and go, look, I've got a great way for you to manage and maintain your obsessive control freak nature, so let me do this project. <laughs> that's right. just, you know, that's a, that's a, com that's a short conversation. Um, but yeah. there are ways that I can then frame what I'm doing in a way that will reassure him about whatever that might be. Right, okay. So this is that part of around take some time to step back and reflect. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. You know, um, you know it took you all of 30 seconds to think that through. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. Are there ways that employees can inspire their coworkers? We've talked a bit about bosses, but what about coworkers? How do you inspire them to focus on great work and on the great work that you think is important? Well, this is tricky because um, what you're starting to realize is that to make your great work happen and know that your great work is in some ways countercultural, so it may not easily fit to a, this is an obvious thing for you to help me out with. Right. You're then going, I don't have control over this. It's unlikely you have control. I mean, you maybe have a team of willing slaves who will do your bidding, but <laughs> most of us don't get that. Um, so what you're thinking about now is influence. Yeah. So, so what is influence? Well, you know, when it comes down to it, I think is influence is about uh, relationships and how to build relationships. So what I'd be doing is going, how do I get smarter about how do I influence people? So uh, there's a great book about influence. I think it's actually called Influence by Robert Cialdini. Mm -hmm. It's the classic yeah. tome on, on influence. And the first chapter in what he says is the most significant fa element in terms of building influence is reciprocity, which means yeah. what can you give so that you potentially can uh, build relationship and build the ability for them to be able to support you in the, in the past. And what doesn't work is you going... Oh, Tamara, I need something from you now. So um, maybe I can just ask you right now, or maybe I can give you something right now. Part of it is what I'd be going is I go, look, I'm looking at Tamara, and she's clearly got access to resources and can influence people. She'd be a great ally. So how do I start building a relationship with Tamara now so that I can build collaboration capital that I can perhaps cash in later on? So I'd be going, so what does Tema care about? What is she thinking about? What is she worrying about? What can I offer her? And where I might be able to go with that is to then go, okay, so let me give you something. And when you go, well, thanks, Michael, that was really good. I go, look, Tema, no problem. But I'm sure you'd do the same for me if the situation was reversed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just because planting it, that seed. <laughs> right. Because actually... Um, when that happens, when I'm able to help you, you feel in my debt. You actually feel that. And right. um, what you're actually going to want to do is you want to clear that debt. Now, I, what, I, what I don't want you to do is go, hey, no worries, Tim. Don't, don't even think about it. It was a pleasure. Because then I let you off the hook. Hmm. What I'm trying to do is go, that's great. And I may or may not ever come back and use this, but I may come back and use this sometime in the past and ask you for a favor as well. That's a good point. 
And, and just to give, give an example, yeah. um, real for me. So one of the things that I'm working on right now is, and we're talking about this in October, is um, I'm doing a virtual conference called The Great Work MBA. 25 speakers, some of which are famous, one of whom I was talking about, the CMO of General Electric, GE. And part of how I got them involved, because these are all busy people, most of them charge $20,000 to give a speech or some huge number, so... Um, I'm not paying them anything. So I'm like, how do I invite them to be part of this this great work project of mine mm-hmm. when there's no obvious benefit for them? So I had to have a think about, so how do I frame this as an opportunity that would be useful and easy for you so it would benefit not just you but benefit me and maybe benefit a bigger picture as well? And it takes a bit of thinking. It takes a bit of work, but is one of those things that is possible. Hmm. I'll put a link to that in the website. And, and you oh, said great. you've Thank got you. a podcast. You've got a podcast as well. What's the name of your podcast? Uh, our podcast is called The Great Work Interviews. Okay. I'll have to add that to my listening list. Yeah. <laughs> what sort of differences do you see between large and small companies in trying to shift to focusing on more great work? I think if you have a larger, more established company, what you have is a deeper deeper good work routes so it can be more challenging on the other hand with a larger more established company it's easy to set up subcultures to kind of go well we're going to do this under the radar or we're going to be the rebellious part of this company we're going to get some stuff done mm-hmm. so um uh and i think you know at a certain level in terms of if you're a part of a startup um often you know when you're in the very early phases of a, of a small company, um, it, it's often quite a lot of great work because you're just making everything up. <laughs> so it's all exciting yes. and new and stepping out to the edge because you're like, I have no idea what we're doing and we're, we're pivoting <laughs> here and we're doing that. So I think there can be some differences there. But I think you know, there are plenty of people I know who are running pretty small companies who are deeply mired in good work because they're finding it hard to step out to what's next, step out to innovate, step out to be strategically different. And there are plenty of people who have pretty big companies who are going, perhaps not throughout the whole company, but who have managed to create and build pockets of great work within there. Because let's face it, all of the tactics and strategies that we've talked in this podcast, Tema, they're universal. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're a team of three or a team of 30, the same principles apply, which is where are we going to focus? What really matters? If we're going to say yes to this, what do we need to say no to? If we're going to say yes to this, knowing that we don't have control of the people who we want to have support us because we need help, how do we influence them to get involved? How do we have the courage to actually invest in this and follow through on this, either in money or time or commitment or resources? How will we as a team support each other when it gets difficult so that we don't crumble as a team? That's true regardless of the size of the organization that you have. Yeah, that's a really good point. I like that last point especially. I'm working on a book where I'm looking at this issue of how do you develop internal process so that you can deliver on the external marketing promise. And I'm just wondering, are there any particular companies that you think have done a really great job of shifting their culture to encourage great work as opposed to good work? I should just listen to your great work interviews, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, the <laughs> great work interviews are often, you know, thought leaders who are playing around with that and trying to make it happen. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, I'd say one of my clients, which is a company called Gartner, they're an IT research company. Yeah. And we've uh, worked with one of the divisions there, the executive programs division. And they've had a battle between how much process, how much structure, and what impact are we actually really trying to have. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've managed to do things by getting some of the senior leaders on board to go. Our job as senior leaders is to create the space for you to do as best we can, as best you can. So part of our job is to have some process, but as little process as we can get away with. And it's hard because um, when faced with uncertainty, one of the things that makes us all feel better is when we um, create certainty by going, here's the structure, here's the process, here's the bureaucracy right. around that. So it makes us happier to do that, but we lose something sure. as part of that as well. So you know, what I would notice in many of our clients is, um, you know, for instance, here in Canada, um, we've done some work with the, uh, the, uh, the Visa group, the credit card people. And they do things like they set, they've set up a celebration board where people get to celebrate their great work projects so the team can see what's the stuff we're working on and why we would care about it. And it becomes a, for the team meetings, rather than checking in on the good work bureaucracy, it's more a checking on what's your great work project you're working on and how can we help. And that becomes the focus of the team meeting so that becomes more important. So, you know, what I, what I see are pockets of resistance to the spreading doom of excess of good work. <laughs> right. Is there any realistic hope of government agencies and departments shifting their focus? Or is that an unrealistic dream? Um, I, I think... It, very broad brush here that it's probably a little harder within governments uh, and government agencies to do that. That said, a week ago I was in Nova Scotia and I was speaking to the um, mu- municipal administrators. So, you know, municipal government and these are the senior leaders in that. And I don't think I've, re- I've really seen a group of people get so excited and so engaged and so passionate about the whole concept of great work. So I don't really want to buy into this whole cliche about, well, if you go to Silicon Valley, it's all great work all the time. And if you work for government, <laughs> you're, a, you're a boring person that has no sense of adventure or courage or whatever. I think uh, it's a question of giving people permission uh, or helping people give themselves permission to do some of this work and giving them some of the simple tools around that. But knowing that there are consequences to doing uh doing great work and the part of the consequences is you fit in less well with the culture mm-hmm. you know, it's it's it, this isn't a strategy for keeping your head down and having everybody <laughs> love you but it is a strategy for having more impact and getting a sense of greater meaning and a greater sense of you know really happiness at your life by doing that so you know a friend of mine says every choice you make has punishments and prizes so the challenge is <laughs> If the choice is is great work, what are the punishments, what are the prizes, and when you weigh them up, is it worth it or is it not? That is an excellent question. Is there anything else I should have asked you that I haven't thought to? felt pretty comprehensive to me. I can't think of anything else to say. (laughs) If Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much uh, for spending this time with me, and I uh, 
I'm working hard to try and implement your principles. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I, would, Thank I you mean, very I much. would love to claim that I've got this all sorted out, but it's a constant, it's a constant question that we face at Box of Grounds as well, which is like, how are we doing with all of this? And on the balance between good and great, do we feel like we're in the right place, or do we need more work to do more work? Yeah, there's still stuff we need to work on. <laughs> is that something that you have a regular sort of check-in process on? Do you check that weekly, monthly, something like that, or just every now and then? When um, so we have, um, yeah, we have a whiteboard in our office, and on the whiteboard are the key great work projects we're working on. And when we have a meeting, we tend to be focused on the great work projects and ask ourselves, how are we doing with this? Where are we anxious? Where do we need help? And for the good work stuff that we have to do, because we have good work we have to do as well, um, we we try we're we're trying to do less and less meetings around that because we all get a bit bored by those types of meetings where you're kind of just going through <laughs> tasks list, and we use kind of technology to help us kind of chat that through rather than have meetings about it. Um, but for us, having the occasional meeting and focus on well, are, are we sure these are our key great work projects and how are we doing with all of that and what help do we all need? That is part of the discipline for us. Mm, that makes sense. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Emma, it was a pleasure. I enjoyed the conversation. I really like Michael's concept of instead of saying no, saying yes slowly, asking screening questions to really make sure that this is something you should take on. And in fact, those types of screening questions can also help the person asking you determine whether it's a reasonable ask. Just as with the example I gave of my first boss, he did ultimately figure out what were his real priorities when I forced him to make some decisions about it. Other things that I really found valuable in this interview was the notion of giving yourself some thinking time each morning before you tackle email. And I have to sort of force myself to do that because my natural instinct, and I think I'm probably not alone here, I true confession here, do sleep with my telephone, although I keep the ringer off at night. But first thing when I wake up, the tendency is to pick it up and start checking email before I'm even out of bed. That's not actually a good thing. Before I do that, I really should take at least that 10 minutes to think about what is my day, what are my goals, what do I hope to accomplish, and get a little more focused. Then when I look at the emails, I can screen them more effectively. And from the viewpoint of the listeners of this show who aren't just interested in personal productivity, another point that I found really interesting in this interview was his point that the team is the crucial unit of change. So even if you don't think you can change your entire organization, start within the teams where you can have some influence. That's all for today. Chat with you again next week. In the meantime, as always, I'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can reach me, T-E, Amazon Marketing A, at frankreactions.com. You can also call me toll-free at 1-866-544-9262. Reach me on Twitter at Tema Frank or on LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever. I really would love to get your feedback. Also, I'd be truly grateful if you'd tell your friends and colleagues about this show. And if you happen to be over at iTunes or Stitcher, if you would leave a review, that would be truly awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great week. And I'll chat with you again next week. Bye.